I got approached by an agency to buy in Josie and I went to him to, to ask him for some advice because he had sold before. And he said to me, Nick, let me tell you one thing. When you sell and someone has, let's say, the majority share, you better be prepared to, to march to a different drumbeat. And that just stuck with, I mean, I'm a, I'm a drummer, so it like stuck even harder. <laughs> but I think it's the truth. Being an entrepreneur can be especially lonely, and it's difficult for those who are not living the life of an entrepreneur to really understand what you are going through. So how do you overcome this dilemma and connect with other entrepreneurs who can relate to what you are going through in the trenches every day? The answer is a mastermind group. Now, in the beginning of this year, I founded a mastermind group of my own with five other entrepreneurs where we meet once a month to discuss our business challenges and personal problems. And I must say that it's been unbelievably valuable to all of us in the group. But what is a mastermind group and why is it so important to entrepreneurs today? Well, mastermind groups offer a combination of brainstorming, education, peer accountability and support in a group setting that helps you sharpen your business acumen and personal skills. It also helps you and your mastermind group members accomplish them through peer group accountability. In this episode, Nick Argios, the CEO of Injozi and Audio Militia, and Kieran McGivigan, the CEO of 8909, two of the founding members of my own mastermind group, thought it would be awesome and valuable to run a live mini mastermind session on the Matt Brown Show to bring the experience of being in a mastermind group to life. Now, I cannot recommend these kinds of business therapy sessions enough. If you are an entrepreneur struggling with the realities of running your own business, then I highly recommend joining or setting up a mastermind group of your own. So without further ado, enter Nick Argios and Kieran McGivigan. The Matt Brown Show. This is the Matt Brown Show. Matt Brown, Matt Brown, Matt Brown Show. The Matt, the Matt Brown, the Matt Brown Show. This is the Matt Brown Show. Hey guys, welcome back to the Matt Brown Show. I have with me. <laughs> Nick Argios from Argios, uh, get it oh, right. Fuck whatever, dude. Yeah, how Jeez. long have I known you now? That's like it's like pulling teeth. Eh? Ag Ross, <laughs> Nick Argios. If you yes, said okay, it with a Greek accent, it. it sounds better. Yeah, and from exactly. from Audio Militia and in Jersey, okay. And uh, we have Kieran McGivigan from Eight Nine Nine. Now, just to give you guys some context, we fucked this interview up the first time because Kieran couldn't put stop playing with his microphone. So uh, we're now s- blame. We're now sitting in uh, <laughs> Audio Militia's actual studio using actual mic stands just to make sure we don't mess this one up. So <laughs> so about seven months ago, Nick and uh, Kieran were on um, the Digital Kung Fu show at the time. Um, and what's interesting about the three of us as entrepreneurs is that we're all at different stages in our businesses. So Nick is uh, the legend amongst the family. Uh, <laughs> he's running a, a oh, business that you. does what? The godfather. The godfather <laughs> business, yeah. <laughs> but he's doing what? Like 20, 20 million a year? Mm bit more somewhere around there yeah okay yeah. uh kieran's been doing business entrepreneurship for what now yeah about a year and a half two year years and half. okay and then at the time i was starting out so we have this interesting trifecta thing happening 
And so anyway, our burning platform today is masterminds. And uh, at the beginning of this year, I formed a mastermind group with, uh, with Nick, Kieran, Yana, and Spilly. And we get together once a month to talk about our shit. It can be about business, but most of the time it's actually about the personal stuff that we are going through. And uh, I don't know how you guys have found um, the experience of a mastermind. So why don't you guys share what, what you guys reckon it's done for you in terms of entrepreneurship and generally your mindset i think for me it's really interesting just actually seeing that everyone goes through pretty much the same thing we all go through the same kind of emotional blackmail in a sense emotional ups and downs in business we're all human after all when we're not run by ai just yet (laughs) having a joke about that outside but um yeah i think there's there's amazing uh, things that actually come out of those sessions and insights and just a little bit of help every now and then you know you know for me i find them really great i mean we've spoken a lot about it that um, entrepreneurship and business is lonely because you often don't have a sounding board to kind of speak about what you're thinking and the problems you're having often people can't relate to what you're thinking now the benefit for me from mastermind specifically has been that i now have that opportunity to speak to like-minded people and people that i trust people who i trust more than myself when it comes to decisions that have to be made and influence in those decisions you know at the end of the day i'm 27 there's not many guys my age or mates that i have that are doing the same thing i'm doing or have the same problems i'm having they're either working at jobs or if they are running their own business they've got their own partners now i'm running a sole proprietor i'm doing it on my own which i'm expecting you're going to have a lot of the same issues i've got matt okay thanks In saying that, though, we've now got this mastermind where we can bounce things off each other and it just doesn't feel so lonely anymore, which is quite nice. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I guess from my side, to your po- echo your point, entrepreneurship is very lonely. I mean, also, I would say that, you know, no entrepreneur is an island. I think, mm-hmm. you know, many of us are almost too proud to ask for help. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And if you do, it's like a business coach or a mentor or uh, your dad or something like that. But yeah. there's there's always that distinct difference between what you get in a group setting versus what you get in an individual kind of coach. They're fundamentally different experiences. Yeah. So why don't we unpack the kind of meat and potatoes of what a mastermind session actually involves. So if, uh, and I would implore all of you know you guys listening to this, if you haven't joined a mastermind group or you don't know where to find one, I highly recommend you know taking the jump and actually starting a mastermind because it will fundamentally make your experience of running a business that much more enjoyable. So we meet once a month. We generally talk about personal positive negatives, business positive and negatives. Uh, what else do we talk about? Often just issues we're facing, eh? Like um, if it's cash flow issues or you've got problems with some type of contract or the loss of a contract or whatever it is like it's just what's happening at that moment in your life and business really that comes up i think that's where the help actually happens is we're kind of navigating through this this narrative that is business really you know if i could say anything to add to the mastermind group so we've spoken about the dynamic and how we get to where we get and i mean the questions that we ask each other at the beginning it's just a kind of starting point the conversation generally spreads further than that Something I wanted to say, which we did mention last time, is often you find in business, you look at your competitors just as competitors. Now, we said this before, but all of us are in pretty similar industries. While we do compete, we don't. And often you'd find it hard to speak to another business owner who owns a similar business to you about the intricacies of your business, how you run it, and the problems that you have because you fear they could be used negatively against you. And I think the nice thing about the dynamic that we've created from this mastermind is that there's full confidence and trust within the mastermind. 
where Nick does very similar things to I do, so does Yana, in saying that we all specialize in different things and we're better at different things than each other. So we kind of look at each other's blind spots, which is quite nice. So the one thing which I've realized from this mastermind is don't look at your competitors as enemies, rather look at them as business partners to some degree, because at the end of the day, you're driving the same vision. We're all trying to make a mark and make digital what it's supposed to be in South Africa and take marketing and advertising to the next level. You know, a lot of people have said that digital is the future and you'll hear that from a lot of people. I completely disagree with that. Digital is not the future. Digital is the now. 10 years ago, digital was the future. What is the next thing? And I think keeping people in your same industry close to you, finding out what the next thing is becomes a lot easier. And finding synergies between the different entities about these future predictions is a lot easier. And I mean, simply from our mastermind, you can see how many things have stemmed from it. Things we never thought would happen. I mean, you guys are working together now. We've had a few chats Mm. about GotBot together. Mm. Mm. There are these small synergies that we've seen pop up, which we never would have thought about before had we not opened ourselves up to this mastermind discussion. And I think that that's really beneficial. Yeah, I think one way I'd describe it is stories stay and lessons leave. Do you know what I mean? So there's a two point around trust. I mean, it's completely confidential, the stuff that we share there. And it's stuff like you're just not going to share with your wife. As much as it's, you would like to, I think I think the point that you're getting to it's you can share it maybe with your wife, but she's not truly going to understand what you're going through. I think that's the point: is that masterminds is the place where like-minded people are coming together, and and you can just share whatever's going on in your life. I think that's the important kind of part of it: is that you truly understand when I say something and you're going through it. Or Kieran has often said, you know, I'm going through this thing. How? What do I do? How do I get through it? And I'm like, I look back and I'm like, yo, I, I went through that like six <laughs> times. I know exactly what to do. Do not make this mistake. Yep. You know, do this, this, and this, and you'll 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 find your way through it in, in your own way. But it's just that little bit of guidance and that little bit of advice. And maybe within, let's say, 15 minutes, I could have possibly saved you a million bucks let's say with a, a little gem of advice 100%, and, we, we, and it's we're simply, looking for that it simply just creates like a mind shift do you know what i mean because you you as an entrepreneur often get stuck and bogged down in one way of thinking and you often find it hard to step back look up and see what's happening from the bird's eye view right mm. as soon as someone else who's had the same problem has dealt with it they're going to give you a completely different perspective to deal with the situation and i must say i've dealt with a lot through these masterminds i really have So like Matt said, I think I confidently can tell people to kind of set your own masterminds up. It Mm. really will be beneficial. Yeah, Howard Mann talks about this analogy of being when you're inside the bottle, you can't read the label. And so, and I talk about this in my sort of present, I was doing a keynote to Sanofi Aventus and their whole executive team last week. So I talk about that around being stuck in the bottle. And it happens like every time you have a really big decision, it's like you oftentimes doubt, I guess, whether or not you, it's the right decision to make. Because you're so associated with the thing that it almost, it kind of doesn't give you the transparency that you need. Yep. Do you know what I mean? In yep. order to actually follow through. And the other thing I was talking about was um, the media. So if the media could draw pretty pictures, they would draw the path of an entrepreneur like a hockey stick. And then six months later, you'd be living on the south of France on a $100 million <laughs> yacht, you know, um, doing Bolivian cocaine with a bunch of Russian supermodels. Um, and that wouldn't that be the dream, you know? But the reality is that it's more like a stock market graph. And when you're down, the downs are like really, really down. A little yeah. slice of hell. Yeah, it's yeah. horrible. It's like every day is like going to war, right, as mm. an entrepreneur. When you're down, I call that the valley of death. 
because it's the time when entrepreneurs make some terrifically bad decisions about their business. And as we know, if you make a good decision, well, good on you, you know, but if you make a bad decision, that can often put you out of business. Mm, 100%. I mean, to talk to your point there, I've got quite a almost unique experience in a, in a way. In terms of audio militia, I've got two business partners, Craig and Paul, and there I, ha- I have a complete bounce board. So I'm constantly talking to them about my ideas and what I want to do and this is that. And then, you know, they putting their input in and often they're because they're so different in terms of personality and in terms of EQ and all these things to me that they bring a completely different perspective. So it's very refreshing to have that. But within Josie, I'm on my own and I can see the differences in, in terms of the struggle. I've always enjoyed having business partners. I've been lucky. I've worked with my friends and almost all of those experiences have gone really well. I haven't had any points in my life where, well, I have gone through it where I've almost like lost people, but slowly they've come back because I've actually had to analyze, you know, for instance, my business partner in, in Josie was a guy called Ross Garrett, amazing photographer we were able to work together and create magic together in a sense and uh, when he left it was soul destroying really but looking back on it I actually analyzed the time we had together and the struggle right at the end where uh, where the buyout kind of happened and I realized that was so small in terms of a percentage that our relationship was worth so much more than just that like four month struggle you know he was one of my best men I was one of his best men at, at our respective weddings and so on and, and off we went you know so I've really enjoyed having business partners where the two of you are very much where I am now at Injosie and you kind of feel like a, a lone ranger you know so it's maybe really can difficult. I ask I put the question to you and to Matt you know we've both started businesses we run the businesses our own you're running Injosie on your own now but previously had partners yes. as a current business owner and not a new business developer when do you decide okay cool now I need a partner when is that point do you bring in a partner do you bring in a senior person? When is that point that you actually decide, okay, cool, I'm willing to give a bit of equity away in my business to actually bolster it moving forward? It's a tough decision, you know? It is very tough. You know, you're building this baby and it's your baby and essentially you're giving an arm to someone else. Yeah. In my experience, you work a lot with feel. I often feel I've got like a great intuition about something or someone will this work and so on. But you've also got to use your brain as well. One of the biggest things I've learned is that you can have own 100%, but the 100% means nothing. You can own 100% of nothing, or you can own a smaller percentage of something that's far bigger than you. And what I realized also again with Ross, because um, in Josie specialized in audio side of things, the digital side, which is all it does now, and then Ross headed up photography side. And what that taught me was when Ross left, that whole business kind of collapsed in a sense because it was based around one person. And what it made me feel and think about was the fact that what I was actually after was something called entity, something a lot bigger than me. I need to be removed from the business and in Josie should just continue. That name, the pride behind it, the the type of work we do, the level of work and the skill set that we actually have and what we do, all of that needs to work at a certain level. Yeah, if you remove yourself, Karen, from your business, what happens? It doesn't grow. It it doesn't exist because the business is you. So basically what my point is, is that I've been through all of that stuff and I've realized I want entity. I want something that's a lot bigger than what I actually am or me and my partners are. 
And that's the point because that's what you can actually sell. Because I've had, man, I don't even know, eight, nine offers on Injozi in particular. And very early on, again, I realized, wow, if they buy Injozi, they're actually paying for me. And that was quite a, a realization mm. to kind of go through. Eh? The next question then mm. is, as any small business, you are going to be the business. Right. How do you start removing yourself without hampering the integrity of your business? Because at the end of the day, to run a business the way you want it to run, you need a 15 others just like you, if not better. Which is never going to happen. It's never going to happen. And look, that's a big pill I've had to swallow yeah. because I might not be the greatest. In my mind, the way I think is the way to think. And if I'm not meeting someone who's challenging me yeah. or thinking on a different level to the way I am, I'm not going to bring them in, right? To find those people is impossible because at the end of the day, let's be honest here, entrepreneurship does require a level of confidence, if not arrogance. Because you need to be confident in what you're doing. You can't be seen to be weak in certain aspects. Mm. So when you've built yourself up to such a degree, how do you find someone who's going to match that? There are a couple of points here. I don't know, Matt, if you want to add to this. But well, one, I just, I just before yeah. you, I just say that, um, going, not necessarily about the partnership side of the coin there, but you know, entrepreneurship is like jumping out of an airplane with a silkworm and a whole bunch of belief. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, I mean, going back to your point, Kieran, is... Basically, either you're going to find the talent and groom it out of people. The one thing I realized is that no one's grown up, let's say, with uh, the parents you had or in the circumstances you had or whatever it is. So everyone's fairly unique in a sense. So there's there's a couple of factors that make you as driven as you are. And it might be because you want to prove your mom wrong or your dad wrong or you grew up with nothing or you want to grow up into something or you're fearful of failure or whatever it is. It doesn't matter, but that's what you have. So either you groom it out of people and you find people with potential and you hold on to them and you teach them as much as you can or it's literally going out there and finding people that would be such an amazing addition to your team that would basically accent everything that you have and would help you work to your strengths but it's a really really tough not sell but something that you actually have to get through so i've got another question which stems from that just before you ask that this is what we call a mini mastermind session (laughs) (laughs) all right so we've discussed partners and when to bring them in and how to pick your partners the next question is investors as a business you know as soon as someone invests into your business they've got the most of the money in your business at the end of the day they are going to make certain decisions which you can't override because it's their money and it's a tough balance because it's your business yet it's their money Mm. so where do you find the balance so the question i have is when do you seek investors as opposed to simply just going and getting like a loan from the bank or whatever stay with us we'll be right back Hey there, I know being an entrepreneur can be a very lonely experience. You sometimes get stuck, don't you? Well, if you're like me, being stuck sucks. But what if you could access the minds of over 850 CEOs who have built companies generating billions of dollars in revenue and access all of that knowledge in a fraction of a second? Well, the good news is you can literally do that today. What my team have built is Matt Brown AI. It is trained on all the interviews, over 850 of them that I've done to date, all my books, all the knowledge capital that has been generated over the last 10 years right here on the Matt Brown Show. And you can get access to all of that right now for free. So how do you get access to this? Well, head on over to mattbrownshow.com and at the top, you'll see community. Hit that link, sign up. It's absolutely free and you'll be given instant access to Matt Brown AI and a community of over 100,000 subscribers. 
so I've just been through this whole thing. I've actually withdrawn my application from an accelerator. I won't say which one, but I was like, shit. Once I've set, hit that send email, it's like, that's it. As soon after I hit send, I was actually like, I was more relieved that I'd sent it because I'd been mailing it over for like the best part of a month. But you had sent it to decline to investment. To decline, yeah, the okay. investment, yeah. And I didn't regret it for a second. I think it's, for me, I, it was about being very clear around why I wanted to take on an investor. And the more I kind of contemplated uh, and did some soul searching, it just wasn't in alignment with the business that I'm actually building. And so I think for me, I also met with another inve- potential investor, different guy about Matt Brown Media last week. And it went all right. I mean, I was still conceptualizing what the fuck this thing was going to be, what Matt Brown Media was going to be. Anyway, just having then being wrecked over the coals around, you know, the fact that you can't commercialize, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. I didn't agree. So I'll maybe if we get a translator in the in the show, I'll talk to you more on what the vision is. And Nick knows already. But I was sitting there the whole time just thinking, is this the right investor for me? Even if he said, I'll give you all the money you want, like, would I take it? And so for me, they have to share your vision. So I was talking about Matt Brown Media and podcasting and... There was like, yeah, but there's no local podcast markets and this kind of crap. And I'm like, no, there is a fucking market. And if you wait a year or two, it's going to be a market that you can really commercialize and build a really fantastic business on. My point being, if I was going to take on an investor, they have to 100% back my vision. If they don't back my vision or they don't see what I see, well, then they must take a, take a long walk off a short pier. I mean, for me, okay, so in Josie and Audio Militia have both been bootstrapped completely. So every inch of money I made, put back in and grew and grew and grew. And now with Gotbot, which is this basically this AI solution that we've come up with, for instance, I closed in Josie for five weeks, which I think was a crazy <laughs> move, wow. but I did it. I worked it all out and I was like, cool, I'm not going to do any paying work for five weeks and I'm going to try and put this thing out. I mean, my dev team's been on it for over, over a year now. But what I've realized with Gotbot, for instance, is that I won't bootstrap it this time because it's a completely different game that I'm trying to play here. You're in the tech space. Tech moves so quickly. We've kind of got a, what is it called when you say like a first move advantage in a sense. Um, we've come up with something that, that works really well. But to scale it and get it to where I want it, I've realized I want an investor. But what do I want in an investor? I want someone that has absolute belief in the product. I want someone that has relevance to the space. Someone that's interested in tech or communications. So not just a silent... No, I would never look for that. eh? Money's cheap, actually. For instance, you've got a home, Kieran. What you could do is get your home revaluated and then go and ask the ba- the bank to revaluate it and then take money out of the bond if you've made it better and so on at a rate that's less than anyone else would give you if you think about it. Yep. So you could do things like that. But getting back to in, the, the investor, someone that's relevant in the industry, someone that has some type of uh, network and so on, a lot of people sell you on that, yet they won't do a single thing. So that's something to kind of flag. 
and you want someone that you get along with as well. You don't want some chump that's going to walk in every three seconds and go like, where are you? What are you doing? Are you making me money? This, this, that. You're like, that's just going to piss you off. You're not going to be interested. I think you got to take your time and pick the people very, very carefully and not rush into things is I think also quite an important lesson because as an entrepreneur, you'll get something in your head and then you're like, I need it now. That's it. I need it now. But often you don't. You actually need to step away a little bit, maybe write everything down on a piece of paper and analyze it a little bit and really understand why do you need this investment. Just to give a bit of context, I mean, the last time all three of us chatted, we spoke, I think the theme was um, scaling, right? How do you scale a a small business into a bigger business? When do you scale and whatnot? And I must say, I can't say that I've really come to a solution for myself. Context, 899 Digital started with just me. All the work that came in, I did myself and outsourced certain bits and pieces. I was then able to um, hire on one staff member who then helped me and I was able to train him up and let him do some of the stuff I was doing. Great. We then got to a point where I added a bit more money to hire another person, trained him up. He's helping out a lot. We're now at a point where I can't go and get more work to bolster my team because I need to bolster my team before I get the work. It's almost like I've got a full product, but I need to refine it before I can actually go out there and get more business. So it's a double-edged sword, mm. a sword, right? Because I don't have the money to hire the people that I know I need. I know if I hire those people, they're going to bring in the business. So do you go to an investor or do you strap down, sit for two months, pull your hair out, work day and night, bring in those guys and then slowly go up? It's often you think like people kind of look at investors as the easy route out, but I don't think it is. No. I feel like it adds another level to your business. I wanted to say something to that point. Sorry. Uh, it's something that's stuck with me massively over the years. A guy by the name of Marco who runs Eurocom. It's now called Colony. Quite an amazing... Uh, Marco Ricardo. Yes. Yeah, he's been on my show. Yeah, he's amazing. He's a great guy. Yeah. He said this to me once. I got approached by an agency to buy in Josie and I went to him to to ask him for some advice because he had sold before. And he said to me, Nick, let me tell you one thing. When you sell and someone has, let's say, the majority share, you better be prepared to, to march to a different drumbeat. And that just stuck with, I mean, I'm a, I'm a drummer, so it like stuck even harder. <laughs> but I think it's the truth. You know, he was like, be prepared. It will change forever. And that's exactly what I was saying before. Yeah. You know, if the person is investing yeah. and it's their money. But also how much do they own? Is there a voting share? Is there a voting right? Is, there, is it a 51% buyout? Because I've had it from people saying we want to buy all of it out. You guys run it. Off you go. Or some people go, I love what you do. I love the vision. I want to be part of it. We would like to have a voting share. So we would want to buy 26.1% of your business. There's so many variables to it. You just need to decide what the variables are. So you can say, this is all I'm willing to give away because I still want control. I still want autonomy. I want to control my the culture of the company. If I want to buy a nice couch for my office maybe I don't need to go and ask someone if I can do that what's important to you because I've realized what's important to me is to basically be the master of my own destiny I don't like being told what to do I've realized you know I often think amen brother yeah. <laughs> amen. the band and the punk days have definitely like yeah, stayed with it's me eh? you. And, yeah, then, and then you got married <laughs> yeah and then I got married and I got a real boss <laughs> so, so Kieran is in the valley of death right now would... 100% you know so basically why I'm asking these questions because I'm at a point where I know I need to grow, right? And I often think back and think, if I'd got an investor from day one, I could have built the team that I wanted and then worked on getting the business to pay for the team. 
I'm doing it the opposite way now, where I'm getting the work and building the team to deliver on the work. And I often think that's what an investor would have done for me or could do for me is take three years growth into one year, if you know what I mean, and almost bolster the offering that I have to be able to get the right clients. Not saying that we can't do it now. You know, as a business owner, you're always looking to streamline certain things and make certain things work faster and better. That's where I thought an investor could have helped. I've since kind of stepped back and gone back to the way in which I started the business, which was, like you said, bootstrapping it Mm. and doing what you can when you can. The scary thing is that we're all in digital, right? Digital changes every day. We know everybody needs digital. And every day I look left and right and I see another digital agency popping up. Small agency, an agency that got investments, so they've got 20 staff and they can deliver full solution. So, you know, it's about how fast do you grow? Do I want to grow fast? Do I need to slow down a bit? Because I feel like digital is a very different industry if you think about it compared to other industries in that look how fast it's grown in the last few years. Show me another industry that's grown as rapidly, Mm. so quickly with as much competition. There's a lot of shit competition out there though, hey? Because I mean, it's like, I call them the Me Too Brigade. You know, so you've got the... (laughs) You like that one, Nick? (laughs) Because I'm always fixing their fucking work. Exactly. (laughs) Fuck. Yeah, but it's true. I mean, it's like, it's almost become a commodity. You know, it's like every time I hear someone go... In fact, this morning I was um, a panelist at the NBA. Funny story. So just before we're about to start, this film guy comes up to me and he goes, oh, are you Matt Brown? Another one. Like, mm. I can't actually go anywhere without someone. Are you Matt Brown? <laughs> I, can, um, I can feel his awesomeness from here. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, and he was like, can I just get like 60 seconds before you go up there? I'm like, yeah, sure. So, so I said, what do you want me to? So he wants to basically record me saying something about the NBA event thing. It's called the NBA in Darbo. So I was like, dude, you're not going to like what I have to say. Because it's to your point around the world changing. It's like, why would you spend all that money, all that time and energy doing an MBA? Because by the time you finish it, it's almost irrelevant again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Rather, and I said, and I said to the guys like uh, on film, I said, you know, the best investment you can ever make is an investment in yourself. You know, no educational system, formal, especially formal structures is going to help you become competitive. It's actually not about what you learn theoretically. It's about what you do every day in the trenches as a business owner in our case. Anyway, so that was just like a sideline story. Don't even know why I shared that one. <laughs> so just back to what you were saying about the Me Too guys. So so just on that. Yep. And everyone in that audience was like the Me Too Brigade because they want to create a digital thing. Anyway, so one of the other panelists, he works for a Purple Group. They do GT247, the trading app and equities, easy equities and whatever. So he was telling me about, he, he met this guy um, last week and he was like, yeah, he's going to start a digital agency. And I was like, shame. I really feel for you. I think that's probably like the worst fucking idea I've ever heard. In fact, I would implore everyone listening never to start a digital agency yeah. or time. You've missed the boat yeah. and the train. And the airplane all together. Do you know what I mean? And so so everyone's trying to do something that's cool and sexy and digital. Exactly. But for me, it's like, I think if you see all these competitors popping up, or if, I don't know if they're direct or indirect competitors, I'd ask the question, like, how defensible are you as a business? Because if anyone can grab a piece of your pie just by saying they're a digital agency and just by having access to capital, do you know what I mean? Like those, yeah, those something are like fundamentally business problems yeah, 100%. Like, that you need to address. I've been through that stuff recently where different agencies kind of just offer the solution exactly what you're saying and we're just called in all the time to to fix it and we were in a pitch probably about a year and a half ago i'm not going to mention what it was but we ended up pitching on the business we made it to the final round and in the 
final round, we made it to the top two, but we ended up losing on the basis that they questioned our technical ability. And the funny thing was, is that the other two agencies were, that were in the top two, uh, well, in the final kind of pitch with us, guess who did all their dev work? Us. <laughs> so we, we, uh, we no. ended up, we do all their work for them and we lost to them based on the fact that they didn't see that we had technical capabilities. We still got so the work people, technically. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, the work's come back to us in the end uh. after one and a half years of them basically being fucked over. It's, it's mind-blowing to me. It's you know, mind-blowing. So I, I hear you, but it's everywhere. The Me Too thing, it, it applies to everyone, every agency, and people just like slinging words around, you know? If I can um, make something on WordPress, all of a sudden I'm a developer. No, you're not. No. You can do jack shit, actually. So I, should, I, I can do something in WordPress. So I should take I'm not developer a developer. off my LinkedIn yeah, maybe you should. <laughs> okay, cool. I think it's possibly a cycle, right? And like I was saying, digital is new and it's very convoluted at the moment. And I think we need to go through that cycle because a Me Too can be beneficial to your business, but detrimental at the same time. And I think the long term is where it's going to be beneficial. From a short term perspective, you pitch on something, they pitch on something. You can both say you do the same thing. Mm. They're going to undercut you on price. They'll get the business. Any freelancer can undercut an agency because mm. they don't have the overheads we've got to run the business. But can that freelancer sustain the business? No. So I think I'm probably in the phase where the Me Too's are effective, affecting me negatively. But I can see in a year or so when I'm still running, still doing the good work that I've been doing from day one and they've dropped the ball. While there might be a thousand digital agencies now, in mm. two years, there'll only be 200 because the rubbish has been culled off. And I think but maybe it's just pushing through sure. that. Well, I got, a, I got a different like insight into that. Like, for instance, with Audio Militia. Now, audio is one of the most cutthroat things I've ever done in my whole life. It's, it sounds ridiculous, but it really is. You have all these colleges, whatever it is, Boston, ASC, whatever, training hundreds, if not thousands of kids every year to come out and do some type of audio. Just to put this into perspective, where are they going to do the audio? You know, I look at some of the suites, like we're sitting now in the booth, and I look at some of these suites, they cost, this one here must have cost us a couple of million rand. It's the spaceship. Yeah, I'm finally calling it the spaceship. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, my, my point is that you need to build a place that's going to cost you a couple of hundred K, and you're going to stick one person in there. And when an engineer finds a job, they stick to it. We've had no staff turnover in like seven years at Audio Militia with regards to our engineers. But yet, I get called from moms, grannies, aunts, uncles, teachers, students, everyone you can imagine to now try and find a job in this industry. At the end of the day, what's happening is that you've got facilities or universities or whatever it is, they're still a business. So they're going to thump it all out, but to no avail. These people will not find jobs in certain industries. So there's like a catch-22 because people want to study something and want to do it, but there's no actual industry or market to enter. Does that kind of make sense? And you know, I find that quite disturbing in many ways. How do you make the market though? We're all sitting here trying to grow our personal business mm. and wealth and family and whatnot, but it, on a broader scale, we're trying to grow the South African economy, right? Pay enough freaking tax. Yeah. <laughs> so funny enough, that's I actually talk about this. So in my keynotes or a big, big red button. So there were two things that I observed in, in towards the early parts of 2015. 
And the first one that there was a billion Apple iTunes podcast subscriptions. And then literally the same week that I decided to launch the Matt Brown show or start podcasting, there was a piece on Biz Community about how South African podcast stats were non-existent, meaning there was no market. So terrifically bad idea. And by all accounts, I should have failed. And I I sucked at it really, really fucking badly, you know, when I first started podcasting. But the funny thing was I didn't care. In fact, it was a good thing that I started when I did because now, if when I look back at you know the last sort of two years, and I've got like this amazing platform, I never ever thought it would have my name attached to it, but nonetheless, um, do you know what I'm saying? And yeah. it's and it's helping me build like a really amazing business, especially now with you know taking Matt Brown Media seriously to markets, as you guys know. But my point being is, if you care about the communities that you're trying to serve, if you care about them enough. The market will come to you. You don't need to make the market. And it's the same thing. Like, I only care about entrepreneurs, like you Mm. guys sitting right here and everybody else listening. I don't care about big brands and selling more crap cheese to a segment. We're human beings. And so, look, if you're talking about the startup space, they'll say to you, well, if a market doesn't exist, you have to make the market. But how do you, what's the quickest way to make a market? It's by giving them something of value, right? Yeah, mm. like, showing them that they need it. Yeah, and the funny thing is, the whole reason why the show rebranded from Digital Kung Fu to the Matt Brown show was because the community took ownership of my story and told me I needed to rebrand. That's the most powerful form of fucking marketing that there is. You, you know, know can I, mean? I just add to what you've said? I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent now, but you've just sparked something. I had a really interesting conversation yesterday with the CEO of a really big company and they've gone very heavy on digital. So basically it's a startup. It's been going now since 2012. They're jumping into a space. I'm not going to mention names, but they're jumping into a space that's been very monopolized in South Africa. And basically they've gone the full digital routes. So all of their business acquisition has been through digital. Interestingly enough, through Facebook. They're currently spending about 2 million rand a month on Facebook from a media perspective, separate to production. And when I was chatting to him, you know, my background, I studied psychology, undergrad, postgrad media studies, and I wrote my thesis on the use of social media and the dissemination of global current affairs, right? That's creating a global culture. And when I went into advertising, one flaw that I saw glaring at me is that not enough research is being done into what people are doing, right? So they're using social media as a mouthpiece and not as a research tool. And what I was taught and how I looked at social media is that it can be used as a very strong research tool, not only to drive more leads, but to optimize your business. So I was chatting to this guy and I gave him a completely new perspective. So something that we were trying to bolster at 899 is ORM offering. So ORM, for those of you that, that don't know, is online reputation management. So it's basically managing what people think of you online and how you can adopt that and utilize that for your business. So we kind of had a very interesting conversation around how we could use ORM for his business to bolster it. And he said to me, he's like, you know, since 2012, I've never actually thought about using social and digital as a research tool for my community. Mm. And I said, you know, there's amazing tools out there. You can track all conversations online, barring a few platforms because of their privacy settings and understand what people are actually saying and directly change your product according to that. So let's say, for example, it's a Coca-Cola, right? We see people for the month of August have been speaking about Coca-Cola a shit ton. And when they're speaking about it, most people are talking about Coca-Cola and picnics. 
great. Okay, that was in August. Let's now in September run a campaign which focuses on pairing Coke with picnic foods. Right, we know what people are saying. Yeah, we've got a solution for you. We've used it to kind of optimize the business. How did I get onto RM? I don't know, but I thought we were talking about masterminds. <laughs> this is how they go. <laughs> yeah, I know. Jeez, this is uh, probably the best way to convey what a mastermind is is to actually run one. <laughs> Maybe you should have started with that. This podcast was recorded, composed for, and mixed by Audio Militia. Leaders in composition, final mix, and sound design. For more info, visit audiomilitia.com. Right, so Matt was saying that his community kind of told him that he needed to rebrand his show. And I feel that what a lot of people don't realize is how important your community that you're selling to is and how important their opinion of your business is. If you're selling hamburgers and the people you're selling to don't eat beef, you got a problem. You got a big problem. And if they keep telling you and you're like, no, we sell hamburgers, you got to optimize your hamburger. So I think it's a strong insight what you've said and what a, people, a lot of people don't realize is that there are a lot of tools out there to utilize that kind of data you're getting from your consumer, mm. even if it's not directly. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you take the concept of a mastermind, that's also a community. Going back to your story, sure. I mean, there's communities everywhere. Well, probably one of the things I've realized lately, especially now producing podcasts for other sort of business owners and brands and so forth. So when you're crafting that story, like there's a, a question that I'll ask as part of our methodology, which is what do you want the listener to think, feel, and do at the end of your show or of your mini series? And what's interesting for me about that is that for as long as I can remember coming back from agencies and marketing, like they keep referring to segments, LSM five to 10, mm. or it's, you know, or whatever the case is, or they must be married with blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like all of that's bullshit actually. In my view, for me, it's like pick a community that you want to serve. I'm not sure that you're clear on what that is and stick to it and just be like relentlessly focused on solving their problems. Yeah. Because you can't be everything to everyone. No. And it's even now when I was meeting with these investors, they were like, yeah, but you must go broader and, you know, get user generated content. And I'm like, no, like that's not a good idea. No, it's interesting you've said that because you've said that to me. Nick said that to me. My father said that to me. (laughs) Are you listening yet? (laughs) And I still want to fight it because I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, if someone comes to me and asks me for this, you know, I'm a businessman at the end of the day. I'm going to find a solution for you. But I kind of feel like it's diluting everything else I'm doing. Absolutely, dude, because you're becoming like jack of all trades and uh, but you're master of none, especially in the beginning. You got to focus, dude. You got to really go for it. When when I started um, with Audio Boutique, that's subsequently merged with audio militia and all of that i didn't even do final mix i just wrote music that's it that's all i did and i became damn good at that and then started expanding now audio militia's offering is definitely not just writing music we've got a legal side to the business we do final mix we do channel branding we do like all this other crazy stuff we do syncs for artists with brands you know, all these different things, but that's taken us 10 years. And that's one thing I wanted to say to you earlier, Kieran, is that you were saying about growing or, or looking for an investor and all of this kind of stuff. And my advice to you is to tell you that it's not a short-term game. This will take you a long time. A friend of mine, Matthew Barnes, said to me the once, Nick, you know the old saying, it's, it only takes 15 years to make a quick buck. And that's, it's I true. really think it's the truth. I mean, look at any of these guys that go for it. Very, very, very few people will do it in like a five-year span. 
it takes like 10 years to really get into it and then to really build the business. This is where the saying comes from, I suppose. Probably another five years, you know? So I shouldn't uh, be too hard on myself. No, so. don't be hard on yourself. <laughs> be driven and go for it. But understand this is not 2020. I think you should be very hard on yourself, actually. <laughs> this is the best part about being a mastermind, right? <laughs> the Everyone's evil got and the fucking it all up, dude. Yeah. You're shit. <laughs> I've told you before, whatever you do, don't be shit. No, but to go, I'll give you another mm. little quote here. Uh, Trust is earned in drops, but lost in buckets. And so take this journey with the Matt Brown Show. I've had to build that trust with my community in drops. Yeah. Literally like drip. I was dripping for a long time. Uh, <laughs> But there's a, there's a bit of a running tap now, so that's pretty cool. But anyway, my point being, it's like, I, I really, like, probably the biggest lesson I've learned in the last year is around being religiously single minded about your community. Because they're people. And to your point around the masterminds, creative companies, digital companies, we're all one community, right? Yeah. Or we have, we're like a community of interest. If you get distracted or you're not clear around exactly who you're trying to serve and create value for, that's when you don't build a business. That's when most, that's the value of death. That's when you're just trying to make quick money. Yeah. 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 And you chase money, not value, or you looking for a short-term fix when you actually need a long-term solution. And for me, like even going back to this whole investment scenario, like as soon as I hit that send button, I was like, this is actually, that was a very good decision because I don't want my philosophy to change. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because someone else says it needs to. You have to drive your own ship. One thing I want to say to you, Kieran, is, is are you passionate about what you do? Do you like really love it? I do. Good. You know, well, then you're think, doing the right thing. So you know, don't worry about the fucking money, dude. It will come. Yeah. Just do what you do. Do it better than anyone else. That's it. When I started writing music, I didn't do it because... I wanted money. I was just so driven to write a song for a game that Josie was busy building at the time. And I was like, this is it. I'm going to make the best piece of music ever for this game. I didn't care. There wasn't even any money. I just did it because I wanted to do it. Does that make sense? It's like, that's what you need to be driving is like, if you love it, really go for it and the money will come. To echo what Nick said. So when I started Digital Kung Fu, I thought I was building like a digital business consultancy and it kind of like floundered. It did all right. I mean, I built a relatively good consultancy, right? But that is worlds apart from the business that I'm running now, which is Matt Brown Media and the podcasting thing. And remember that story I was telling you guys about what lights me up? It's like at the end of this microphone, someone in one of the hundred countries around the world is listening to us speak. And they may listen to what we have to say and go, screw it, I'm going to start a business. And if you can convince one business every day or one person to start a business every day, that's 365 businesses. If half of those fail, which is the current rate, you're looking at 182 businesses. Of those 182 businesses, if they employ five people, suddenly the numbers start to Mm. stack. But it all starts with the microphone. And so that for me, this is why I love podcasting and the power of these kind of media platforms, because it enables that kind of impact to happen. Do you know what I mean? So like getting up and fixing someone's digital business, like, yeah, sure, I can do it. I'm very good at it. But like, that's not where my passion is. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? My passion is really around creating these kind of stories and pulling information out of your guys' heads and sharing that with a community 
that they can then run with and kind of spread the message. I think it's a good insight that you guys have given and like, I mean, take it on board. And if other people can take on board too, that it's often, you know, you start a business with your passion and then it gets to a point you've got bills to pay. Do you know what I mean? So the money starts becoming, it starts masking what you're actually interested in. And I think what if anybody were to take anything out of this, it's never let that happen. The money will come and just stay focused on what you're doing. If you look awesome. at all the billionaires in the world, they've all been dead poor at some point in their life. They've been broke as... But they pushed through and carried on doing what they were interested in, right? So I think, I mean, we had a big debate up front. Like I said, do you bring in people from different industries or do you bring people in within your own industry? And this I think is not to set up a mastermind. To set up a mastermind. And I don't know if we actually came to a conclusion because I think it depends on what you're using the mastermind for. If you're using the mastermind for what we're using it for as a sounding block or a common place to go to where you can chat about things you need, then get people within your same industry. But if you're looking to broaden your horizon and learn about other industries and bolster your proficiency within those, then bring other people in. And I think we came to the conclusion that for us, it would be best to keep it as it is, but every two months bring in a special guest. Yeah. Okay, so now that you guys have had like a first-hand experience of what a mastermind session can be like, I wanted to kind of bring it back down to earth and kind of give you the kind of practical um, aspects and maybe some steps around setting up a mastermind for mm. yourself. So as a as a community, a mini community, a community of interest, we're all running creative digital slash businesses. And so for us, we made the decision to keep that as it is. So in other words, you have to be part of the creative industry. So it wouldn't make sense for us to have someone from financial services or from fintech, for instance, mm. or a legal firm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Because they wouldn't understand Half the, the issues. Yeah, exactly. So I guess from our side, it's about keeping it closed because there's a community of interest. Having said that, I do think that there is value in bringing in outside people yeah. to come in and give you perspective. So for yeah. instance, if you noted you know, as a kind of a thread throughout the masterminds that there's an issue around legal. You could bring in a legal consultant, I guess, yeah. as a very poor example, because you probably we all have our own lawyers. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? So, I mean, I would say, and be, and obviously no competitors, no direct competitors. So we actually do a lot of deal flow between us. So Nick with obviously what I do with MapRow Media, you guys are talking. You think you run the social for Yana? Yeah, so me and Yana work together. So there's a lot of deal flow that can come out of it. But that deal flow wouldn't happen if you were all from different industries. Mm, no. Do you know what I mean? It yep. wouldn't lend itself as well as it does. No, definitely. I think there is value to, you know, I'm part of something else called Mesh, the Mesh Club. And I've met a lot of different people there. It's, just, it's more in the way that it's interesting, uh, that you get to understand other industries and take a look at the, the hardships that they're going through and get some insights into whatever it is, be it insurance or commodities or, you know, some people run a radio station. It's quite fascinating how that actually works, you know. So I, I do like having different people come in and so on. So I suppose I get that from a different place as well. Yeah, because you were recounting a story. You were in a similar group. Was it, it wasn't a mastermind, but it was like another kind of group. Maybe it was a mastermind. Mm. And there was a guy there. Oh, yes, yes, yes. No, I know exactly what it is. It's called the boardroom. This guy, I, I couldn't believe it. So, I mean, we're all in business because we love what we do. You're sitting here because you love understanding what entrepreneurs go through. And so on, and you love what you do, I love what I do. Great. And in the session with these guys, and everyone's like really gone for it in terms of building their businesses and one of the guys just goes well uh you know this business kind of just fell into my lap and i was like what do you mean it fell into your lap 
So he starts explaining the story and I just realize he's just a money hungry SOB. Just I lost complete interest because nothing about his job interests anything about his being. There is nothing there. He's just about buying a product and selling it at a profit. I mean, that I just shut down when I, I meet people like that. That's why I asked that question. Do you love what you do? you're going to do well. You know, this guy has no clue what's going on. And, and I don't know, the guy's losing like millions a month. He'll be out of business soon. And he won't but, be happy. Uh, he isn't happy. Well, there you go. It's not he won't be. He is not happy currently, you know. And I just don't understand statements like that. It fell into my lap. Those are the businesses that always fail. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it fell right off onto my lap and cracked on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing that uh, you guys should definitely do if you do decide to run your masterminds is keep it down in terms of numbers. So you want to cap out at like six people max. So we meet for three hours once a month and it's about enough time, right? Yeah. For all of us to go through our kind of laundry. And then the other thing I would suggest is keeping your group accountable. So Mm. for instance... Kieran, let's go back to what he was saying around taking on an investor. We would say, okay, Kieran, your goal is to make a decision around whether you should or you shouldn't. And then we will hold him accountable, right? So next time he comes back after, you know, four weeks have elapsed, we'll say to him, have you done this? So obviously you're not going to throw them out the group if they haven't done something (laughs) as much as you'd like to, Kieran. Um, (laughs) But but anyway, yeah, so I think that's basically it. Um, But I think that's a huge thing that you've said in that, you know, as an entrepreneur and a business owner, you're only accountable to yourself at the end of the day, right? Mm. Um, and sometimes you need a bit of a kick up the ass because you can get comfortable in doing what you're doing. And I find that the masterminds have kind of pushed me into situations where I would have done it eventually, but you've made me do it a lot quicker than I would have. And it's aided in the growth of the mm. business. It gives that accountability, which is great. Yeah. In the other session, you were telling us a story about Durban. And I think it's an important story to share because it's like when you're in the valley of death, you really think like the world's going to end, like your guts are boiling. Sort yeah. of thing, you know, people tell you you need to quit, but you don't know why you continue. You, know? <laughs> uh, you doubt whether you should be CEO of your own company. Yeah. You know? Imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. Yeah, exactly. We're talking about that, weren't we? So just so you guys know, imposter syndrome is something that every single entrepreneur has, even Elon Musk, Mm. even though he's a poster child for, uh, you know, entrepreneurship around the world. But I can promise you one thing, that at home, he's got shit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, a lot of He's got a lot of shit that's not in the public domain that he has to deal with. And this is why masterminds are so important. Anyway. As hard as it can be, there's always someone, this is your segue, Kieran's a jump in, but as hard, (laughs) you know, even when you feel like your world's ending, there's always someone worse off. I mean, I'll tell the story again quickly. I was in Durban a couple of weeks ago. I was down there visiting two clients and the meetings ended early at about two o'clock and I had to drive back from Hillcrest all the way back to Belito. And I had a bit of time to kill, which I don't usually have. So I was driving past some Schlote and I said, cool, I'm just going to park off here for half an hour and just sit and watch the ocean. So I pulled off and I was going through it, you know, I had been feeling a bit down because we had lost a big client and I didn't know how to get out of it. And then I kind of had come to the realization on my own that... Life really isn't that bad. It is what you make it. So I kind of had built myself up again and I realized that, geez, I really do have a good life. I mean, I'm getting married. My business is profitable. I've just moved into a new house with my fiance. I've got great friends. I've got great sounding boards. And I was just sitting there and I got out the car. And as soon as I got out the car, I looked at the ocean. I was like, shit, my life is actually really good. And as soon as that happened, this guy tapped me on the back 
And I turned around and he was one of those artsy crafty guys who make those um, wireframe sculptures, which are beautiful. And he looked at me and he said, he said, would you like something? You try to sell me his products. And I said to him, I sat there and I actually took the time to listen to him because I really do believe that everything happens for a reason. So I believe he came to me at that time for a specific reason. And while I was looking at how great life was, he then came and told me about his life and how shit it was and how tough it was. And you could see in this guy's eyes that he was broken down. He was even scared to speak to people. He had been broken down so much. So he was from Zim, moved over here. He was telling me about, he's got three kids at home who he has not fed for two days. And when he told me that, his eyes just filled up with tears and you could see he was being honest. You know, he actually didn't want anything from me. And not once did he ask me for money. He just said, this is my product. Do you like it? And it was that moment where I said to myself, you know what? Life is good for you. But the fact that you've just realized life is good for you and this guy has come to you, it brought me down to earth again. And what I did was I just, I drove down the road, took him down the road and gave him a bit of money. And I said to him, I said, listen, man, you've been telling me how terrible life is. I've been feeling like that for the last three weeks. And I'm not trying to be funny, but the fact that you've come to speak to me has made me feel a bit better about my life. And what I want to do is impart that knowledge because I believe everything happens for a reason and you've come to me for a specific reason. So here is this money. Use this money as the beginning of your future. Don't go and buy groceries or whatever. Use it for something substantial Mm. that's going to grow your wealth because we met for a reason. Mm. And never forget this moment. You met me so I could help you and you could help me. We've both helped each other. Now let's go forward and think positively about it. You know, it's those little lessons in life that really you don't expect them, but they really whack you on the back of the head and wake you up, if you Mm. know what I'm saying. Yeah, I guess, because, I mean, we're just in the trenches all the time. We don't actually come up for air, you know. And when you do come up for air, you might stay there for a bit too long. So someone has to knock you back down a bit, you know what I mean? I think that's that's problematic with being an, an entrepreneur. I found it with my, my, my brothers actually brought it up a couple of times. Like, yeah, I'll be sitting somewhere here and I'll be telling him I'm trying to do this, this and this and wah, 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 wah. And he'll just go, Nick, just like, just look around just quickly. I'm like, yeah, what, man? Like, he's like, don't you see where you're sitting? Do you not see what you've like achieved in, in that? And I agree with both of you. It's like, you need to stop and like smell the roses and take yep. a look around. And I'm so, so, so guilty in doing that. I'm always just driving and going and see, seeing what can I achieve. And it's like stuck with me. I'm like actually trying to figure out why I'm like that. It's upset me a little bit because like recently my wife phoned my business partners to tell him like, listen, this guy's like literally killing himself. <laughs> he's, he's working himself. I mean, I was like averaging 14 hours a day. For what? Really? Like, what am I gaining out of that? So yeah, I, I, I struggle with things like that. And it, it is just like pop your head up every now and then. And pop just your head take up. A, yeah. And just the world take a will look give around. you perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's a great story. Tom Asako was telling me about the story where he was selling medical equipment and I'm just going yeah. to make the point through the story so yeah. basically he was a small health startup and his machine had this machine and this machine saved some guys people's lives or mm. whatever and he went to go and present the data to like a huge medical company and all these medical reps pulled into the to the boardroom with their like you know medical gowns on and whatever and pulling off the gloves and stuff and so he starts his presentation I mean it's not much data it's just like a case study sort of thing and one of the head doctors turns to him and says are you the president of this company 
Now, if someone says that to you, they know that you're the president, so mm. it's never a good thing. And he says, I can't believe that you would come here and present such shoddy data to my doctors. So the sales guy that he had like climbs under the table because he thinks like this is bombing mm. something stupid. And so he stands his ground and he says to this doctor and he says, do you see this, this graph here? The one graph that we showed you. He said... That dot there, that's Jim Hamilton. He's married, he's got three kids, and our machine saved his life. Now, the day that you care more about the data than saving someone's life, it's the day that you should get out of medicine. And every single, he points to all the other doctors, and he's like, and all of you should get out of medicine too. And he packs up his stuff, and he bolts. Funny thing was that because he's, he was so certain about who he was and what he was trying to build, that as he was leaving like the front doors, this doctor comes and pulls him back. And long story short, he's now, he became like a board advisor to his company. And word got out into the market, into the community of doctors. And every time he went to like a convention or whatever, the, they would say to him, random strangers would say to him, were you the guy that told all those doctors to yeah. quit what they do? And he was like, yeah, that's me. And he became famous. Wow. And the reason why I'm telling you that story, it's about, I think if you look about, he had a number of choices. The first one was to run, right? Mm. But he stood his ground because he believed in what he was doing. But for him, he was so aware all the time about, about his purpose and the fact that as hard as that meeting was, the majority of people who, let's say, had less belief in themselves would have done something completely different. But because he believed in what he was doing, he stood his ground and a lot of good came from it. And it goes back to that analogy of being really present. And it's something because we're so like, we're fighting fires all the time. And I think like you have to find that space to be present, but all the time. Do you know what I mean? So you can actually start to appreciate things. Otherwise, I mean, what's it all for? So anyway, that's you. a mastermind group for you guys. So uh, yeah, definitely get them off the ground. They'll be immense, immeasurably helpful for you guys as you build your businesses. Any final comments, guys? I think just do it. I think you'll find value in it very, very quickly. Don't be afraid to talk to people about your problems. Don't hold it in because that could be the end of you. Amen. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Thank Thanks, you. Man. The Matt Brown Show. This is the Matt Brown Show. Matt Brown, Matt Brown, Matt Brown Show. The Matt, the Matt Brown, the Matt Brown Show. This is the Matt Brown Show. Hey guys, so news about Matt Brown Media and Digital Kung Fu this week. Matt Brown Media has just launched getpodcasting.co.za. It's a new digital platform for the podcast community of South Africa. If you are interested in podcasting and perhaps starting your own podcast, then this community is for you. Check out getpodcasting.co.za for exclusive content all about podcasting and for special insights and lessons that I've learned in the process of building the Matt Brown Show, which today has a listenership in over 100 countries around the world. So I will see you on getpodcasting.co.za. <laughs> Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the Matt Brown Show. It's been an absolute privilege having you with us. And remember, if you'd like more information on Digital Kung Fu or our guests and the full show notes, all you have to do is head on over to digitalkungfu.co.za and you can catch us all over the social media graph. So until next time, 
Ever wanted to become a best-selling author? Well, I'm in the influence business and I work with business owners and CEOs and business leaders to help them scale their influence. And we do this as a team by helping you to become a best-selling author, sought-after speaker and industry influencer in only 30 days. My team and I have developed a system that delivers a best-selling book and a launch campaign 300% faster and 50% less cost than anyone else in North America. This system is incredibly efficient. One of my clients, Haiku, went from a 2% share of voice globally to an 11% share of voice globally in only seven days. If you'd like more information, head on over to showworksmedia.com for more. That is showworks with an X.com.